Hey everyone, welcome to This Is Not A Podcast. My name is Bobby Hundreds, and I swore I would never make a podcast. As the co-founder of The Hundreds, a men's streetwear brand that's been selling worldwide for over 16 years, I figured, is there anything left for me to say? But here we are. After publishing my first memoir and reflecting on my own experiences of building a business, my personal and financial struggles and successes, I realized there was more to talk about, maybe not just from my perspective. The best part is, I still get to say, I don't have a podcast. This is just a curious audio thing where you get to meet cool, interesting people. You're listening to This Is Not A Podcast. You know, I often get asked by young entrepreneurs how we got our name out there. Instagram or TikTok, influencers or targeted advertising. Back when we started our brand in 2003, this was pre-social media. So we didn't even have the luxury or convenience of reaching new customers through a phone app. In chapter 13, Get Up Kids, I talk about how we used any available and free medium to build our community. Whether that was photocopied flyers or crudely printed stickers, we've always capitalized on whatever resources were at hand and learned how to adapt to newer technologies, reappropriating and freaking them to sing with our voice and style. On today's episode of This Is Not A Podcast, I have my friend Alan visiting, better known to the world as the DJ A-Track. At the age of 15, A-Track became the youngest DMC world champion ever. He is a Grammy nominee, ranked as one of the top 50 most influential people in EDM, according to Rolling Stone. His label, Fool's Gold, introduced artists like Danny Brown, Kid Cudi, and Flosterdamas to the masses. Alan also hosts the Fool's Gold Day Off music festivals across multiple cities every year. I was first familiarized with Alan back when he was a prodigy scratch DJ. But it wasn't until he became Kanye's tour DJ in 2004 that I really started paying attention, as well as the rest of the world. But I'm a DJ, which is like, it's like being in the circus. Like the Get Up Kids chapter, Alan, A-Track, has also stayed a formidable force in music over generations because of his embrace and open-mindedness when it came to new technology and cultural shifts in his workspace. The creatively DJs had hit a ceiling and then the ceiling just got placed way, way, way higher. In my experience, it seems to me that those who grumble about progression and are short-sighted when it comes to incoming trends have the hardest time maintaining relevance and producing work that speaks to the moment. Let's see what A-Track has to say about that. Introduce yourself. My name is A-Track. Um, I am a DJ, producer, record label owner, um, all around kind of uh, impresario. Yeah. Originally from Montreal. And yeah, we're here. Do you who Cultural refers curator. to who who <laughs> refers to you as a track? Um, yeah, that, I don't call you a track. Right, that's my, weird. If yeah, I don't call you a track. My name is Alain. It's a French name. I'm French Canadian, um, and I have this thing about my name where I don't want people to call me Alan. Yeah, but I understand that for anyone who's English speaking, it's an unusual name. Like yeah. it has like syllables that aren't English at all. So I'm sort of like, whoever feels like trying to say my name, it's fine. If they butcher it, I'm totally cool with it. Alan. Yeah. How did I do? You did well. 
But I missed something, huh? No, no, it's just, there's, there's, it's relative because it's literally not English. So <laughs> you said it very well. If someone says like Elaine, that's kind of wrong. Ooh, Elaine but, I, but, I'll, but I'm, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm still happier with that than Alan for some reason. And if someone just doesn't feel like doing that and they want to call me a track, that's fine. So like, I would say a lot of my hip hop friends call me a track because yeah. they're just like, a, I don't know what a track. And um, I had one friend who was like, I'm going to call you Larry. And so this one friend calls me Larry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I don't know. Because A-Track was too... Exactly. A-Track was too, like, fan mode. Fan mode. And right? Alan was like, I don't know about all that. Alan, yeah. <laughs> so where are you at right now? You don't live anywhere, necessarily. Right. This is of. something, like, the last time we met, I've uh, kind of interrogated you on, and... As my career continues to grow yeah. and I grow up more and I travel more and I'm busier, I do this thing in my head where I always check myself almost against how busy and tour, I guess like how much you travel, mm. you know? And so I'm always just like, well, A-Track, I know like Alan like is always everywhere. Like I could do this. Like it's almost like if you could do it, I can do it. You know, like I feel like you're the litmus test is basically <laughs> what I'm saying is like. I travel a lot. Yeah. But I'm a DJ, which is like, it's like being in the circus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a traveling trapezist. Uh, but it's funny because like as time's gone by, I kind of have, I, I I don't like to, to, claim the the term busy i have like an issue with the word busy at times what, what's the issue because that everyone's busy so yeah it's, it's more of like say it, that you're busier yeah, than it's this someone thing else where like i feel like in 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 america it's become the the most common answer to how's things or how are you like oh how are you doing oh good busy like people just say that mm. and so i'm not sure what that means and i think it's relative and like I might travel more than someone, but it doesn't mean that I work harder per se. Like someone might be on less flights than me, but they might be solving some really difficult problems every day. So I don't think my life is harder because of how many flights I, I, I take. And I just think that that exchange, like how's things? Oh, busy, been so busy lately. I feel like that makes the other person, it puts the other person in a, in a weird spot. Of like, maybe I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've just been trying to like, uh, flush the word busy out of my I, I, lingo. I can get with that. You know I think I mean? there's been at some point in the last 10 years, or maybe this has always been the case, yeah. where we are conflating the idea of our, our measure of success and happiness with how busy we are. Yeah, yeah. and like there's like there's plenty of like normal life stuff that I have not figured out at all because I've been DJing since I was like a preteen. When you were making that transition with the digital DJ world, and yeah. that's all... You know, a younger person today or someone who's less familiar just yeah. understand that that's just what common practice is now. Yes. But that was such a, it was almost controversial. It right? was, it was, it, it definitely was. Yeah, exactly. I, I remember having this sort of aha moment a few years ago where I was like watching some of my DJ friends play at a show and everyone's doing the changeover and you go from this DJ to that DJ and I'd watch the stage and be like, we're at a point now where everyone in this crowd expects to see a laptop on stage if they yeah. think dj they think laptop <laughs> and that's that's a change yes that that didn't, that that didn't used, used to be, be the, the case nerdiest yeah most uncool uncultured yeah. thing was to bring out a laptop to bring a laptop yeah, yeah it'd be like what are you doing yeah. and it was also controversial because you know the the traditional hip-hop version of djing with two turntables and a mixer you know stayed such a sacred thing yeah. for so long 
and there was such a um almost like a like an oral tradition like this thing that is taught from person to person right where like it's not it, it wasn't taught in schools yet they weren't dj schools yet so it was this this sacred knowledge that you got from the ogs or from watching videotapes of djs and you weren't supposed to break that formula to dj essentially to play an mp3 or a wave file off of a drive even though serato still allows you to use records to control what you're doing just the adding the term mp3 in the equation for a while was frowned upon it was like oh no 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 we don't right you know we don't allow that i guess the you know some of the ogs were saying that but um you were really subtracting a very ritual part of djing to them yeah but i think the fact that the fact that there's a handful of DJs that the, the like I would say like the mass of DJs saw when using Serato when that became a thing. The fact that myself, Jazzy Jeff, AM embraced this technology so so quickly and that we were all very respected as technical DJs. So you know, I remember when Adam called me, there was a there was a video of me scratching with Serato and he saw, and, the, and then he saw that, you know, on their website he was thinking of using it. And I remember he called me and he was like, is that, are we cool? Is that, like, are is that good? really, Yeah. were you really using that on that video? Is that really how accurate it is? Like, is this happening kind of yeah. thing? I was like, yeah, man, get it. Like use it. Since then, has there been another technical, technological innovation or another kind of cultural shift that was on par with that? Cause I feel like that was a huge moment that shifted what DJing was and stood for and opened up the dialogue for so many other DJs to get in. Yeah, the 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 shift to digital, which I would even, you know, make that bracket bigger and include CDJs and and just in general the 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 uh, the arrival of technology that wasn't vinyl but that was still really reliable and good and solid and like accepted and embraced by the by the pure DJs or whatever. That was a huge paradigm shift because it changed it changed like down to the core what our possibilities were as DJs. Because if you think about it, you used to have to, in order to play a record on vinyl, the vinyl had to exist. The vinyl yeah. record had to exist. Yeah. So either it was something that you hunted down and found, or if you wanted to play one of your own tracks that wasn't out yet, DJs would press what's called a dub plate or an acetate, which is like a, 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 a short run, like a, you know, you would make one or two or 10 of these dub plates that, um, you know, cause there's minimums for vinyl similar right. as with your world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, but you could make a, just a handful of dub plates and play your own song, your exclusive song. But the, even that was a whole ritual. Um, bringing in digital technology meant that you could share music with your, with your friends mm -hmm. and like multiply the size of your library in, in as fast as it takes to migrate a, a folder. Um, you could play something that you made ten minutes before the show, test it out right then and there because the you know the digital file exists. Uh, your demo you just rendered or bounced your demo. You could play it right then and there, and it also meant that there was no risk of damaging, losing records, um, no more back pain. Yeah, <laughs> general <laughs> sigh of relief. Oh, yeah. my back. Yeah. So it changed everything. I I feel like now, just now, or I guess maybe as of the last two, three years, but even more so now, it feels like there's a new growth period of, of tech mm -hmm. with, with DJing. What started happening a few years ago is that um, there started being 
there was new um new like controllers and mixers and basically like gadgets that are you know um auxiliaries or like you know uh yeah just extra gadgets that could be a part of your setup that controlled more and more options of what's available on serato for example so to use one example that affected me there's a mixer that came out that had pads on it that would allow you to jump to certain parts of the song on Serato, but you could hit them like an MPC pad and control samples too. And, you know, assign um, an effect that you actually choose on your laptop and you can suddenly have like a really cool filter or reverb or this and that, all that Mm. at the touch of a button on the same machine where you're using your faders and mixing the traditional way. So it created this hybrid setup where suddenly your basic equipment being turntables and a mixer now had essentially something like an MPC in it and something like an effects bank that has, you know, infinite possibilities. And how has that affected and and changed DJing as it is today as opposed to how it was back then? It's, um, is it for the better? I definitely think it's for the better because I think, you know, as far as the, the traditional equipment people, um, it got to a point where there's a ceiling that was hit where, even in terms of ideas and creativity, like people did everything that could be done with just two or three or four turntables and and a mixer. Adding um, these soft pads that can control more options and and, func- and operations and adding new types of effects and you know mm. loops and all these things. It just um, yeah, it's like the, the creatively DJs had hit a ceiling and then the ceiling just got placed way right. way way higher so um it the uh the in the process of coming up with new ideas it things shifted back to creativity and raw ideas like when you yeah. open up a whole pandora's box of possibilities then djs can just let their ideas run free and now there's even new gadgets that are coming out that are um there's like these wireless remotes that work that work with serato to to uh, bypass some of the problems that started, you know, becoming more serious. Even using Serato, you would have to deal with um, things like bass vibrations messing up the signal, and you know, like literally like dust on the needles and things yeah. like that. And now there's new wireless solutions that take that out of the equation too. So, Do you uh, and and, and yeah. this started to cut you off, but this yeah. stuff is like it's interesting because it's coming from startups. Yeah. Whereas for years and years. DJ equipment was only made by these companies that have been around for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to see a new gizmo that comes out that's developed by like you know a, a team of less than ten people. Right. That's kind of representative of where we are in you know in in Just the economy in and the, exactly in culture. Right. So it's cool to see DJing um, move at that speed too because we know how fast that space works. Right. So for me, it's exciting because not only do I have new toys to play with, but I'm also like, oh, I could sit down with some of these companies and help brainstorm. And, you know, it used to like the idea of working with an equipment company used to be like, oh, maybe they can make a, you know, a track edition of this mixer that's white or whatever color. Now it could be like, hey, let me sit down with this new startup and, and give them an idea. And who knows, maybe they make a whole new product that didn't exist before. Right. Like the capabilities of of uh, um, development are, are, uh, are opening up. Yeah, so a big part of my book and, and my story mm. that I get into is discussing 
look like we've been around for now a decade and a half, right? Yeah. Like we in in our world, we're a heritage player, we're an OG, yeah. and we've seen so many different transitions and cultural shifts. And in 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 a lot of ways, there's a lot of grumbling from the old guard. Yeah. In our world, yeah. And um, I see it. Right, mm-hmm. you see it, yeah. and and I'm 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 adjacent to your world. Yeah, I'm and so like adjacent. when we entered the game, there's a lot of grumbling, like oh these guys are using the internet, which was crazy at the right. time. They have an online shop, they have a blog, yeah. like that's so nerdy. Yeah, your blog was a big deal, I remember. And that back then it was just like we're not gonna blog. You know, everyone else was like, this is not meant for the internet. It's yeah. meant to be underground, yeah. off the off yeah. the world wide web. I remember internet that. for dorks. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, and every so. Three or four years, there's another shift. There's, then social media happened. Then like yeah. the idea of desktop publishing and Shopify, mm. building your own online shop and cutting out wholesale. And so there's always been these constant shifts. Yeah. And every time that happens, the prior generation or the older guard looks at it in a way where it's perceived as a threat. And it's also seen as a negative thing. It's seen as a way of like something that's killing off a ritualistic part yeah. of like the sacredness. You know, mm-hmm. It's almost sacrilegious to do this to whatever streetwear yeah. represents. And what we've always tried to do is be mindful of like, this is what the next generation or this is just where the world is going. It's not necessarily good or bad. It's just different. And it's adapting to it and manipulating and reappropriating it, it, reappropriating it in our way so that it makes sense for us. Yeah, and in the I spirit think of, of, in the spirit yeah. of what the hundreds is and also in the spirit of like how it used to be and just being, you know, but also using the new tools in that sense. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I have the argument that that's why 15 years, 16 years into the game, we're still around, we're still relevant, we're still affecting kids and like speaking to young people. And even in talking to you about the DJ equipment and all the transitions and technological shifts that you guys have Mm -hmm. gone through, not a single time in that, when you were discussing Mm -hmm. right now, like not once did you say anything negative about it. No, it's Like it was always seen as opening just more creative opportunities for you. Like it wasn't something that was killing off something great. It was like, no, this is just making what's great greater and also like opening up more opportunities for us to explore, which is like, I don't know. I thought that was like pretty refreshing and interesting. Like that's something that we rarely see. And that's probably a testament to why you're still doing it, you know, and like you're still here and working. Thanks. I think it's important to, to, to embrace change. And, and like you said, I think like once you get past, like even past the 10 year mark, like once you're in, you know, in the long, in the long play, um, adaptation becomes a question of, I think there's at any given time, no matter what's changing or happening, if you're an artist or a brand or just someone with, uh, a point of view, I think some, a lot of times I'll say being an artist, is just having a point of view. It doesn't matter what your medium is, the difference between an artist and a technician, an artist has a point of view. And at any given slice of time as an artist or as a brand, I think you can look at the landscape, see what's going on and pick and choose what makes sense for you, what aligns with your point of view and participate in that way and hopefully add your sauce to it too. Yeah. But that's what we need, right? Like nothing's new under the sun outside of the sauce that you put in. Like everyone has their own sauce. It's like, it's the same pasta. We've eaten this dish before. What sauce are you going to put on it and just give it a little bit of a spin? Exactly. And then those that are a little more clever will come up with ways to put a spin on what's going on now. Uh, you know, with more creativity or like even more of their individualism, there's other people that might just sort of put a little bit of sauce, but it's like, (laughs) we all know that it's the sauce you can buy at Costco with a different tag on it, but it is what it is. And yeah, I think you also, 
I think part of uh, uh, part of what I've enjoyed with like you know the process of adapting with the years is just even choosing like what I put what I devote my own energy to because mm. at any given point in time there's some shit that might be triggering or that might be corny and it's like what are we gonna do spend our lives talking about those people who do this shit wrong that's not helping anything right right and and it just keeps like it's just whack juju it's whack whack juju yeah. whack energy to have even in our system like i'm just to concentrate on yeah exactly to devote energy to be yeah. like oh this person yeah is it's corny yeah okay i, I find what? it and more and more so that i just don't have the time to focus on any yeah. hate or be for politics like yeah we're just so busy making stuff and then also appreciating and enjoying this fruits of you know, of our labor that yeah, just feeling there's great, very gratitude. little time in my life to complain or judge what someone else is doing. Yeah. It's really hard for me to judge too, because I feel like I'm the most flawed character. Like, you know, I've made so many mistakes in my life that it's hard for me to be like, oh, what they're doing is whack. It's like, I've done a lot of whack shit. You know, like I didn't know any better. Like who knows what their intentions were really. Yeah. But even just the five seconds, I devote my brain space to that is five seconds that I just took off of my mark, which yeah. is to like answer this email or finish this design or like yeah. write the and, rest of this paragraph. And by the way, I'm not going to pretend that like I never crack jokes at some shit that's corny or that, that I don't even, I don't pay attention to what people are doing. You know, this, we're, it's like, you know, you don't see an athlete running a race and not, not looking at who's right behind yeah. him or her, that sort of thing. It's important to, to, to see the whole board. Um, but there's ways to do it, I think, in a in a good spirit. And there's also ways to try to like pick up on cues yeah. and to be like, oh shit, well, why why does this thing look corny? What do I need to keep in check with my operation to make sure that I don't make the mistake that I just identified this person did? And that touches <laughs> back on the point of uh, artists have an opinion. Like the reason yeah. why we gravitate towards your work is that you have a defined point of view. Yeah. And it's okay to have a diversity of, of opinions on yeah. matters, you know, and yeah. to disagree with people and yeah. believe that something isn't up to par with where it should be. Yeah. Right. So that's healthy. Yeah, that's healthy. That's healthy. And that's, and healthy like, and that's what we are asking of people like yeah. to be real. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think anyone who looks at what you do or what I've done or what some of our peers have done. Um, and, you know, sometimes people will ask uh, any of us, like what advice do you give mm -hmm. if I'm starting out this and that? I think the most important thing is to identify what you, what your point of view is or what your signature thing is. If you're a guitar player, do you have a, you know, is there a sound that you, that you have that's going to be recognizable as yours? If you're a DJ, do you stand for a mixture of A and B? Is that your vibe? Or if you're a clothing line, do you, is it, what is it? Is it surf? Is it the uh, workwear is it classic americana uh once you identify what you stand for then um then you can have fun with it like yeah. part of me knowing who i am and what i do is knowing not only like all right i'm i'm really good at scratching and i could play this and that kind of set and there's whatever productions i've done that have accomplished whatever that may be but it's not only about the pluses it's also knowing about the minuses and being like I also know that I kind of suck at doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. And like, what do you suck at? I feel like it's going to be hard to, to I just told to you pinpoint. dancing. And the oh, irony dancing, is I made yeah. a song called DJ's got to dance more, but that's like a, it's a spiritual, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Don't take that literally. Yeah. Um, 
No, I, even on the on the um, on the production side of things, studio production, um, I I have ideas, and so I, I always have like direction of where like how I want my tracks to sound. But there is a highly technical, you know, engineering side to to music production now that I'm like quite. Uh, quite shitty at yeah <laughs> yeah but i figure it out because like i know what I, I i hear it in my head and i'll just tinker until it sounds right but there's plenty of really good bedroom producers who can you know program a bass sound in 10 minutes that i'll literally spend two days on right you know but hopefully the idea that i'm working towards is strong enough that the end result works but I yeah I've, I've um I mean I'm not particularly good at even just playing chords and things like that. It's just again when I make songs I have ideas. Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm a remixer more than a producer. And when I produce, I approach it like a remixer. So I'll be like, oh I'm gonna take an element of this and a reference of that and this other idea that I've had in the back of my head, and I'm gonna figure out how to make it sound good together. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, DJing is like my comfort zone. Yeah. Right? But then production, I have plenty of flaws. Um, if I don't know, and even just in terms, like I'm, I feel like the a big part of what I've been learning in in uh, in the last couple of years for myself is even just managing, like trying to get better at my own workload and like the whole like life balance thing that I was joking about earlier when I said I wasn't good at you know tying in certain knots or yeah, let alone throwing a, a football. What like, what what is the balance you're trying to get to? What um, are you aspiring for? The I. Th I think the balance that I try to get to is to uh, is to um, achieve as much as I can without uh, without it requiring constant work because that'll lead to exhaustion. Mm -hmm. So it's you know anything that has to do with working smart, you know, and like and by the way that includes knowing weaknesses too. So you know. Um, being okay with asking for help for certain things. Like I'm just very headstrong. And for a long time I tried to do everything myself. And then I would like get sick every couple months. Yeah. And then like, I think learning how to delegate a bit more and, and, um, uh, um, yeah, even just figuring out like that, the, uh, the, uh, the, the work and rest balance of my own life. Yeah. You know, like there's this thing where, um, a lot of people say like, oh, well, yeah, you travel so much, but you've been, you must be used to jet lag by now. You never get used to jet lag. Right. The way you're smart, the way you can be smart with jet lag is accepting that it's going to completely kick your ass and work it into your schedule that you're going to do a few things to balance it back out. Because I spent so many years just pushing, 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 pushing myself, right? Like, and like, being I'm frustrated, a, almost like mad at yourself yeah, for not adapting that, to the jet lag. Like, yeah, I should be good or, at this Or getting now. mad at myself if I would get sick again or exhausted or this or that, which would then affect my performance on other stuff. But I was like, I'm an Aries. I'm a ram. I, I, Same. I'm, oh, yeah, hey. hey. And just like, you know, we're <laughs> built like human bulldozers. We yeah. just like plow forwards. And then there's a point where I realized, like, but we're butting our heads into the mountain, so yeah. it's like completely yeah. illogical. Yeah, it's different than Ben is a Taurus, who's a bull, who's like butting things. He actually gets shit done. <laughs> yeah, no. Rams are just like going crazy, like running into yeah. the wall. Yeah, and being like, ah, I'm a stupid wall. Yeah, Why haven't I figured out? How to yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> once I realized that it that you know taking a little breather is actually makes my creativity better. I'll get an mm. idea when I'm walking around the block or whatever, as opposed to just forcing myself to be in front of a screen that helped. And even like one of my favorite things that anyone's told me 
not to get all new age on you, but like, let's was, do it. Let's do it. We're in LA right now. <laughs> I, was, I started seeing this um, acupuncturist um, about a year ago and I, you know, I, I haven't seen her in a while. I'm not very good at keeping some, certain habits, but I was, saw, I saw her consistently for a, a, a couple months and, and um, she was talking to me about my workload and the thing she said, she said, your, your, um, your input has to match your output. As far as like your own wellness and your your if you look at your you as um, a machine of some sorts like yeah. the analogy of Bobby or Alain as a physical machine and also a creative machine yeah the idea is we always give output right like whether it's giving interviews or me being on stage or you running your company or uh, coming up with ideas conceptualizing shit running the business of your of your company and also just having our game face on just being yeah. like down to meet people and put the show on and right. you know, give, give the, to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's constant output. So what are you doing? The, in, the input could be right. obviously like going to said acupuncturist or going to get a massage here and there, yeah. but it also can be like going to watch a, a, a movie that has nothing to do with anything, but just to refresh our mind and get new ideas, yeah. going to the museum, uh, like any book or maybe yeah. even spending time with, with loved people ones. that yeah. we love. Yeah. And all that shit helps our creativity. Yeah. And it helps that life balance where when we go do we go attack our work, we feel excited about it again. We yeah. feel refreshed. Um, I know for myself that I work best when I only give myself a few hours to be on any given project. If even creatively, like even DJ wise, even if, I, if you're fully immersed into it, you're like, was, that's enough. Yeah. If I was to say like, all right, I'm going to take two weeks straight and come up with a bunch of new DJ routines. And then if I stepped in an alternate reality where I said, I have four hours on three consecutive days, I would, it would be the same output. Wow. <laughs> There's a limit to like, I just, I, that's another thing that I had to accept about myself is like creatively, I, I hit roadblocks and the best thing for me is when my brain goes and does something else and does comes back at it. Completely different. I, I have friends who can sit and make five beats a day every day mm -hmm. until the end of time. Right. I'm not that guy, but I'm able to produce, make remixes, do collaborations with people that are hard to track down, <laughs> run Fool's Gold. Fool's Gold itself is label, events company, uh, video content company, Apparel. retail. Yeah. Um, and like consult on my friends' projects and all this other stuff. I'm that's when I'm happiest because when I'm when I you know even 100%. here today when I when I get yeah. home and I'll be like oh cool I have like two and a half hours to work on music until I go meet my friend for dinner. During the whole day, I've had ideas in the back of my heads of what I'm going to work on. Right. So when I sit down, I'm like oh boom, let me try A B C that I've been thinking about all day when I was in the car and. You know, if it doesn't work the way I had in my head, I'll flip it and do something else. And I'm going to have great output. If I just stayed home all day today, I probably wouldn't have created much. Right. It's weird. I'm just, I, not everyone's like that, but I, I work better this way. For context purposes, how many days a year are you on the road? How many events are I you DJing? You know, it's funny. I've never counted my shows per year. Um, really? Yeah. Part of me is like a little scared to know the number. <laughs> the I truth. feel like I'll know and like I'll come down with the flu. <laughs> It'll be like, <laughs> someone will give me a number and I'll be like, yeah, is, is, I don't it, feel is good. it just me or is it cold in here? <laughs> um, but I mean, it, generally, um, 
this time of year, like summer is like extra busy season for DJs. So when yeah. it's not summer, generally I'm I'm doing two or three shows in other cities and I'm in either in LA, I'm in either LA or New York the rest of the week. You're talking about in one week. Yeah, most weeks I'm, I'm Most like, weeks you're in both LA and New York. No, either point. LA or New York. Okay. That's how I organize my okay. life because I live in both cities. Okay. So on like week X, I'll have like my Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or like Friday, Saturday shows that are each in a different city. And then the Monday to Thursday or whatever, I'll be like, oh, this this is a New York week or this is a huh. LA week. So that makes my time generally manageable where I can run projects during the week yeah. and then go on the road on weekends. But then sometimes I'll go on a 10-day tour or I'll go right. you know, to Asia for two weeks, Europe for two weeks, especially in the summer. So then it gets a little unpredictable and gnarly so you could summarize my life as like first 12 years la 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 growing up in canada around the age 12 or 13 discovering scratching then the teens being like super clark can't double life in school during the day dj at, n- at night like running around with kanye that was a few years later but still even like my teens were basically like like um oh shit, suddenly I'm one of the top names in the world in this field. Yeah. It's like being an Olympic athlete. You're like, oh, wow, this is, I'm excited because I have this passion, but I'm also like a little overwhelmed. This is wild. Mm-hmm. My 20s felt like I had to figure a bunch of more shit out. Like in yeah. my teens, I just figured out what this passion was. And I was like, oh shit, wow. You think wow. it happened too fast? It happened fast. In my 20s, it was like, oh, holy shit. Like, I think I'm going to move to New York. Uh I'm going around the world with Kanye. Uh, I'm gonna. I should really teach myself how to produce. I don't know how to produce. Uh, whoa, MySpace is a thing. I need to brand my shit. I need. I need. I need an aesthetic. I need this. I need that. Uh, I'm taking on too much work. I'm like hitting a wall every couple months. That was my twenties. Just being like, I have to do all these things. Ta-da-da-da. Crazy. I'm not good enough. I'm not. Uh, maybe like you know, every once a year, I want to quit. That kind of shit. And I feel like my thirties has been like, okay. These things have worked. These things haven't worked. <laughs> Let's figure out how to like take the things that work and make it a little more sustainable mm-hmm. and maybe breathe a bit more. That's been like, that's been my thirties. So I'm, I've enjoyed my thirties. <laughs> it's been nice because I've breathed a little more. Yeah. The forties are going to be even better from yeah, what I understand. Psyched. Yeah. I'm 37 now. So it's around the corner. Less obligations. That's what everyone tells me. All my friends are in, are in their forties. They're yeah. like, you have... You don't care. You're not obligated to do anything anymore. I like, mean, even to fast forward, I, I really like to observe like actual old people because I'm just like, not only do old people wear very comfortable clothes, which is fun, but like, I just feel like they're at a point where like, they really don't give a shit about anything that doesn't work for them. They're just like, no, I don't do that thing. Yeah. I do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I luck. will not abide by any customs yeah. or rules. Like, yeah. I'm going to fart in the supermarket. Exactly. I'm going to fart. This is how like, I hold my Like, if fork. you invite him, like, hey, um, I'm having a birthday party tonight. I'm not interested in going to your birthday yeah. party, but thank you. But we can do this other thing instead, and that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really want to get into the typical, like... Take us through the course of your career. Yeah, Um, this is better. I was always more interested with you because you have really stayed within the conversation of relevance. So going back to my book, Mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with this idea of like staying relevant, Mm -hmm. staying culturally 
in the conversation mm-hmm. um, and like what that's like, especially in streetwear where you age out after like three years of doing something, people don't want anything to do with you anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I'm getting closer to being 40 years old and mm-hmm. like that's rough for a streetwear designer where it's all about like an 11 year old kid and, mm-hmm. you know, being inspired by 17 year old designers who yeah. are like these wunderkinds, you know? Yeah. And so, um, but with you, you've always somehow managed to stay right on the edge constantly. Like yes. I remember a track in the teenage years mm-hmm. and me being a teenager at that time mm-hmm. going like, Oh, this kid is so sick. And then I remember the Kanye stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I remember the twenties and I remember now you were like this kind of DJ and leading this DJ movement. Mm-hmm. And the cast of characters around you continues to change. Yeah. Like some of them stay with you and evolve, but a lot mm-hmm. of them like adjust and then mm-hmm. you're still there. Mm-hmm. And so now we're in 2019 mm-hmm. and you have Fool's Gold and Fool's Gold is stronger than ever to me as a brand and what it embodies. You're leading the charge for like this new generation of DJs. And to me, you're still a new DJ. Like you're still mm. a fresh, exciting, innovative new DJ that's out there. So that's why I wanted to do, I wanted to interview you was to understand what about, uh, like what about you has been able to stay relevant, relate to people, why people have continued to relate with you through generations. I guess the only other thing that I can think of is like, I I have for any phase of my life, there's been plenty of people that I've looked at as mentors or big brothers. And I actually, I have an actual big brother, Dave, who, you know, he and I are involved with a lot of our projects too. And we keep each other in check. And it's nice to have someone to be, who can really be like, don't, you know, don't wear this kind of, you know, yeah. you look stupid or like, Hey, don't stop dancing. Don't, yeah. Or just like, don't put this song out. It's not right. I don't know. Trust me. Like ask for an extension, rework it. Like, it's not going to be a good look to have someone really, uh, have that level of care, you know, cause I think even a lot of friends will be like, that's cool, but they won't say like, don't put this out. Right. You know what I mean? So having an actual big brother, but also a whole bunch of people that have, um, that I, whose examples I've been able to follow, yeah. you know, at a lot of levels. And um, yeah, I'm, and in that respect, I feel lucky because even at the very beginning when I won my first championship, I met some of my DJ idols and they welcomed me in. And they're, they were like, mm. you know, that the generation of the scratch pickles, the executioners, the beat junkies, these guys who really defined what, you know, futuristic turntablism was going to be. They could have just been like, oh, who's this little Canadian kid? But they were like, yo, come to the crib when you're in town, you know. Or I I started playing shows with a bunch of them, even though they're like, you know, at a more advanced phase of their career. And that, I think that instilled like a certain positivity in my life right from the start. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, cool. They're not assholes. And there's a way to do this thing that I aspire to do in an honorable way yeah. without, without even, without that being spelled out to me. I think it was just this implied example of like, you know, you could do this in a way that's like cool and hip hop, but still classy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You've always seemed to be able to walk that line. That's right. Pretty well. Thank you. Thanks, man. That's it for this episode. I'm your host, Bobby Hundreds. Our show was produced by Andrew London and edited by Rachel Kastner and Ivana Tucker. Music by Alexander Spitt. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.